Welcome to the Narrators Podcast. I'm Robert Rutherford. And I'm Andrew Orvidal. This podcast collects stories that were told at the Narrators, a monthly storytelling event that features people telling true stories based on a theme. The show takes place on the third Thursday of every month at the Deer Pile in Denver, Colorado. This episode of the Narrators was recorded on July 18th, 2013 at the Deer Pile Art Space in Denver, and the theme of the evening was The Open Road. Your next storyteller is no stranger to the show. He runs the show with me and uh, and books it and picks the themes and everything. He's a very talented writer, a poet, uh, and a great storyteller. Please welcome Robert Rutherford. That's my good friend Andrew Orvidal. Let's give it up for him. And I'm going to say it, I I feel like I give this rant every month, but I'll do it again. But thank you all so much for being here. It's always, it never fails to amaze me or make me just feel good about humanity to come here every month and see this room filled with lovely people who come and share this sweltering space and uh, take in some good stories. So thank you all so much for being here every month and sharing in these stories. So... I was a poor kid, and uh, when I moved to Castle Rock, Colorado, uh, from uh, Southern California, it felt like going to Mars, Um, where before I lived on military bases that were incredibly diverse. Uh, You know, I grew up around Filipino kids and Taiwanese kids and Latinos and blacks. And uh, then I moved to Castle Rock, Colorado, which in that day, and I don't know how many of you know Castle Rock, Colorado, but now it's sort of a, it's a true, like thriving, rich suburb of Denver, Colorado. But back in the day, it was more of a, uh, um, an exurb that had a very well uh, delineated split between the rich people of Castle Pines and all of the poor people who lived in the pockets behind the Safeway and out by the fairgrounds where all of the auto body shops were. Uh, but there were no no uh, no Latinos, no black kids, no Taiwanese, no Chinese kids, nothing. It was just white people, white people, white people, poor people and rich people. And I was one of the poor people and uh, my family was falling apart at the time. My parents were going through a divorce. My stepfather and my mother were going through a divorce. And uh, before I sort of grew uh, a little and found those uh, very thoughtful goths and uh, drug-addled but very pleasant hippies and the punk rockers, I went and dipped my toes uh, into uh, the really, uh, the really other, you know, the extreme end of the pool, the behaviorally challenged. And uh, those tended to be the other poor kids that were also uh, having their families crumble or just sort of lived in a perpetual state of family chaos. And I met this one kid named Clay and spent a very brief period of my 13th year huffing gas and stealing cars every once in a while. And Clay was not a very friendly kid. I, it's, it's hard for me even to say he was a friend so much as he was an adversary who had shared interests. Uh, the way that he communicated with me was generally to call me pussy or faggot. Uh, and uh, and it would generally respond to questions uh, with fuck you or eat shit or eat a dick. Um, 
On the first time we huffed gas, we were in his mother's van behind their apartment. And uh, huffing gas is, I don't recommend it. Uh, it's, it's, it's really, it's, it feels like it sort of sounds. Um, and we were both sort of doing it, and I lifted my head off of my chest and uh, took in the scene, and it does this thing to your brain sort of like whippets. It's not that I, like, you know, like everybody here has done, you know, like whippets. Everybody's done whippets. <laughs> where you get sort of this throbbing in your vision. And I lifted my head off my chest, and uh, there were these rectangular bars of light coming in uh, through the windshield, and we were huddled around this gas can in the back of the van. And I asked Clay where his mother was, and he said, fuck you. And I said, no, where is she? Why, why doesn't she have her van? And she said, she's with her boyfriend, you puss. <laughs> and he opened the cargo door, and we stared out at the clearing beyond his, behind his apartment building, and he asked me, uh, you want to go shoot some gophers? And I asked him, what, what are we going to shoot them with? And he said, you fucking arrows, you pussy. <laughs> so we stood in the clearing, and I was throwing dirt clods at an old rusted-out pickup truck, and Clay was just pulling this bow taut and releasing it again. And he was really, he was this toehead kid. He was very lithe and muscular and tan. He was just sort of this wiry little shit show. <laughs> and I, I remember sort of I, being enamored of his body and watching the furrows on his forearm every time he would pull that, pull that bow taut. And the headache that I was developing from the gas was sort of fantastic. It was incredible. The headaches that would follow huffing gas were part of the most incredible thing about doing it, period. You had that brief sort of flashy high, and then the come down was really sort of what kicked your ass. And he's pulling this bow taut, and I'm humming out some dead Kennedys, refrain that we were listening to in his apartment a little bit earlier. And he says, hey, you want to play a game? And I didn't answer him. And he said, do you want to play a fucking game, pussy? And I said, what kind of game? And he says, well, it's like a listening game. It's like Simon Says. And he picks up an arrow, and he strings the bow. And he says, close your eyes and see if you can guess where it's going to land. And he points the arrow up, and he lets go. And I close my eyes, and the arrow sort of sings in the air for just a minute, and then it goes really, really, really quiet. And 15 minutes later, we're sitting in uh, the front seat of his mother's boyfriend's 76 Ford LTD, and these were beautiful cars. They rode like clouds. It was like being in heaven inside of an automobile. They were large. They rode comfortably. And he has his head underneath the dashboard sort of fidgeting with some wires in the ignition. And I ask him where the gas can is, and he doesn't answer me. And I say, Clay, where's the gas can? He says, it's behind the fucking seat. And so I reach back there, and I pull the gas can, and I put it in my lap. 
And it's just one of those like little red cans with a little spout. And I start sort of, I take the little cap off and I just sort of hold it to my, close to my mouth and I just start inhaling. And I don't know if I'm doing this right. And I start thinking about whether or not other kids would make fun of me for the way that I'm huffing gas. If I'm like a poser, uh, but I don't know. And I sit there and I take a few deep breaths and the interior of the car turns into an aquarium and everything starts to shift and sway. And uh, Clay opens the car door and he says, I need to go get some phone books or something I can't see out of the fucking windshield. So he leaves and I open up the glove compartment and I start rifling through the cassette tapes that are in there until I find one that I think will will uh, be appropriate for our coming in adventure. Uh, and um, I pop it in, and he comes back at, uh, to the car, and he throws two volumes of encyclopedias down on the front seat. And he gets in, and he hotwires the car, and we head out. And we're just driving around the neighborhood. Uh, and Clayton has his sunglasses on, and he's got his... He's sitting on the encyclopedias, and he sort of has his legs sort of reach down as far as it'll go. But he's trying to do this thing where he's got his left arm sort of resting on the window, and he's looking at himself in the mirror, and he's taking these long drags off of a cigarette, and he's just watching himself. Twice, twice we almost hit parked cars. <laughs> he's so enamored of himself. He's so cool. He's sliding the, his sunglasses down the bridge of his nose and checking himself out, pulling off these cigarettes. Through the loudspeakers in the car, Ozzy sings a very great lyric. All day long I think of things, but nothing seems to pacify. Think I'll lose my mind if I don't find something to pacify. Clayton pulls up to a stop sign and we stop. And the car is rumbling low, that beautiful old Ford engine. I don't, I don't know much about cars, but it just had this great low sort of throaty rumble. Not like a sports car, but just this great big powerful engine in this big car roar. And we stop at this stop sign, and we look both ways, and there are these beautifully manicured lawns and these cypress trees, these juniper trees that are jutting above the rooftops and all these lawns look the same. And he sort of looks right and he looks left and his mouth is sort of agape. And the song ends and then a new song starts. And we didn't know what the fuck we were doing. We didn't know what we wanted. We were bored and we were looking for something to pacify us. As soon as that next song started, he closes his mouth and he steps on the gas. Thanks so much for listening. Hey guys, what's up? I'm going to try uh, to keep this short because it's hot and it's smelling more and more like ranch dressing up here. <laughs> Not that that's a bad thing, it just your, your room shouldn't smell like it. Um, I also have notes, not because I'm nervous, because I'm stupid. Uh, I am not exactly telling a story so much as I'm trying to piece together a series of vignettes about uh, kind of when, when I was told that the topic was the open road, that there's one road that jumps to mind, which is when I was 
when I was coming up, when I was growing up, when I was first encountering roads and learning about their mysterious ways and driving upon them, uh, it was in a place called Eagle, Colorado. And uh, anybody know where Eagle is? Anyway, it doesn't matter. It's that way. Uh, and um, there's a place out there uh, called Cottonwood Pass. And Cottonwood Pass is like... It's kind of this place beyond places. It's like, it's where we used to go and just drive around. It's like one of those roads where you'd get like, it's hard to nail down an answer to the question, where does this road go? Like one guy will be like, that road goes nowhere. And like another guy will be like, that road goes lots of places. And like pat a gun or something. (laughs) Um, So it's it was always this kind of weird place where we'd go and it was like beyond... It was like beyond reality and beyond consequence, and it was it was like a Cormac McCarthy novel. Basically, when you got past a certain point, it was just like you got to be careful up there. It's a different, it's a land land beyond time. And uh, I've seen. We used to go and party up there. We'd go into the woods and just drive. And then there was a couple of places we knew and a couple of places we didn't know. And there's just this snaking kind of dust bowl of of choke cherries and kind of like scrub oak and, and weirdness. And it just gets strange out there. And it's uh, seen countless guns brandished and fights. And I knew one person who died up there. And uh, I um, ate a lot of acid out there, ate a lot of mushrooms out there, ate acid for the first time and stayed up until four in the morning and then got on a plane to Costa Rica. True story. Absolutely true. Um, I, my dad taught me to drive on this road. Um, despite the fact that himself, many years earlier, an 18-year-old Buddy Doll, if you ever meet my dad, which you might, he's, it's hard to describe, but he's, he's, he's the guy from the Cormac McCarthy novel who tells you, this road goes lots of places. And, uh, and, um, he taught me to drive on this road, despite the fact that when he was 18 years old, he drove his Z through a hayloft at the very end of this road, this road goes like, there's like a three-mile stretch that's just like listening to Molly Hatchet, loving it kind of thing. And he drove it straight through a fucking hayloft and it's still got a big hole in it. They were just like, yeah, that'll happen. And just left it alone. And um, and he says it every time we go past. Uh, that was me. And I'm like, Mel, you're lucky to be alive. And uh, anyway... A lot of stuff kind of went down up there. Uh, it was kind of my friend Ben Slaughter lived up there, and that's his real name. That's not just a name he wrestles under. That's his actual human name. And so there's a place up there called the Slaughter Ranch, and there's actually a place way – yeah, right? Slaughter Ranch? Come on. It's a great place. You should go. Um, and there's a place even further up there called Slaughter Springs, which is just this wonderful – elven glade that's unbelievable there's a spring and you drink the blood of the mountain and it makes you live forever and it's unbelievable and i still that's my backup plan for when the shit goes down i will not reveal the location because that's where i'm gonna be sharpening you know spears and calling myself the clan of the tree raccoon and you can join us if you have jerky or gumption (laughs) and uh and anyway um the one, one of the there's three main things that I remember happening up there. One was we were up because uh, we had to go. There came a point where police in Eagle County just needed someone to bust, and it was us. It was the kids for smoking cigarettes or you know not having papers or whatever, like unfortunate things. And so we'd go miles and miles into this into this wilderness and just. And when we were bored, we did we'd take 
a bottle of Jägermeister and guns and just go and see what that turned into when we got out there. And, uh, and it was the greatest time of your life, rolling boulders and shit. And um, we were up there partying one time, and I remember the police showed up, and uh, it was like guerrilla warfare all of a sudden. We were just like, ah, the cops, they don't know us. We'll take to the woods. Mother Mountain will protect us. And we did. We just all scattered into the trees and disappeared into the shadows and the darkness, and they never found a single fucking one of us. They left out. They gave all of our cars tickets, and we all disappeared into the trees, and we found each other by whistling. We're like... And then you'd hear like, and we found, we banned, it was like the Lost Boys and Peter Pan. It was amazing. And we thought we were so badass that evening. This is our place. War paint, dancing around the fire. Lots of acid, like I said. Um, and uh, the the other thing, that, that was the big one where, I, where it was like, we're, we're, we're unstoppable up here. We're the lords of this place. This is our place. And then... Immediately had that shattered because my friend uh, Adam Noah uh, was driving. Um, we were up at some party, and he was driving down. He had this blazer, this old blazer. And uh, I was the only one not drinking, I remember, for whatever reason. And, uh, and we're driving down, and there was a couple of girls in the car uh, whose names escaped me. Um, and, of course, because there was these two girls in the car, he's driving like an asshole because nothing impresses girls like nearly killing them, right? And uh, just fucking burning around corners and like, woo, we're doing it. And this is like crazy precarious, like, you know, the road going up to like Dracula's castle? That's what it was most of the time. And uh, just huge sheer drop-offs. And... Um, and he went around a corner, and we went off, and we rolled two times. And I was I was in it, and I wasn't drinking. And I remember I put my hand on the roof uh, because we're rolling this car, like you do, you know. And uh, and the second time it rolls over, the roof collapsed about three inches, and my hand, full weight, collapsed about three inches. And uh, and I got out extra corners, you know. And um. And everybody's fine. They're like, that was amazing. Adam, you rule. Let's go have sex because you impressed us by driving so crazy. And, uh, and they fucking, their, their solution to this, like, I was like, guys, I'm hurt by it. And, uh, and they're like, they're like, well, we got to have somebody drive him down. Let's go back up Cottonwood Pass. And so they pile me into another car and drive me back further into this fucking hellscape to find someone to drive me out of the place, someone more skilled than Adam Noah, who, who if you could find somebody, uh, you'd be hard-pressed. Anyway, uh, got back to this party, and they all thought I was some asshole. They are like, eh, pour whiskey on it. You're a pussy. And uh, got down... They dumped me off at a loafing jug at three in the morning in my scarred up punk rock jacket. And I called my mom, not so tough anymore. She said, Mommy, my arm and the stuff. And they were mean. And she comes and picks me up. And when my mom picks me up, she's like, Oh, you're being a pussy. Basically, my mom is British. She wasn't just doing that to make fun of me. But in more, in so many words, she told me to suck it up and gave me like an Advil and sent me to bed. And I woke up the next day, and I was like, Mom, for realsies! And it was like Mega Man blaster arm, just giant, swollen, crooked thing. Oh, my God, get in the car! And they took me and fixed my arm. The one thing that I, uh, that I specifically, when I, when I think of this place, the big one that comes up is um, it, uh, 
It sparked what would be a lifelong, up to this point, interest in things unknown. Things paranormal and strange. And um, it's, uh, it's just kind of one of those places that seems like, it seems like it's hard to peg anything down. You don't remember where you were. Yes, the acid and stuff. But at the same time, it's like the spirit world. It seems like this weird area that shifts and you kind of don't, kind of misremember places. And one time... I was at the Slaughter Ranch, Thunder, and uh, hanging out with Ben Slaughter, who's the nicest guy in the world. It's You wouldn't think, like, that dude's Ben Slaughter. It's the guy who's like, hey, everybody. And, uh, and um, hanging out with him, and I go to leave, and as I'm leaving, uh, shit, I forgot to tell you guys, the day I got my driver's license, I drove immediately to Cottonwood Pass and crashed my car there. That was the first thing I did with my driver's license. And Ben Slaughter, being, you know, a tree-blooded mountain wizard that he is, jumps in the car and was just like, you just got a whoop, and just did it, like, amazing. Anyway, um, leaving his place, and I, I pull out onto this bridge, and uh, this is, like, the long stretch where my dad did fucking missile mile down into this into this hayloft and uh the first thing i saw was a horse that that i'd never seen before and we know all the horses i know the horses that come and that go up there and it's it just struck me as real weird it was like like i've seen horses before i never seen a horse like this and it was like gaunt and like like, real sway back kind of thing, and, like, just looked like it had the shit kicked out of it, basically. And uh, and I remember it was kind of, it was doing, like, blah, 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 like, moving its mouth, almost like it was talking, and it didn't have any teeth. And that's the weirdest thing in the world. How does it eat? What does it eat, for that matter? Uh, and as I kind of sweep beams across this horse, Paint It Black by the Rolling Stones comes on the radio. Like, just the star, the dunch, dunch, dunch. And I was like, nope, and turned that right down. I remember specifically, like, ah, 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 nothing from you this evening. Thank you very much. And I, uh, I'm already a little spooked because, wh- whatever, I think we had been, like, talking about, because there's all these kind of weird myths and legends and things that kind of happen up there. I think we'd been talking about that. There's a guy who died nearby and supposedly, you know, claw on the window and eat your heart, stuff like that. And uh, and I'm leaving, and I'm driving down and thinking about, like, man, it's kind of spooky up here sometimes. And I look in the windshield of my Dodge Daytona, and I see what appears to be in from behind, like in the reflection of the windshield from behind my seat, what looks like a featureless face, like just kind of like peeking like around my seat, like right there, just nothing, smooth. And I was like, no, it's happening. And and I was like, this is awful. And uh, I go to step on the brakes to kind of illuminate because I had these brakes back there and it would kind of light that whole area up. And I go to step on the brakes and before I can even hit the, the brakes, it like moved like it was anticipating me. Like like seconds before the light came and so the light lights up and of course there's nothing back there. And I'm like, oh, that was terrifying. Step on the gas and here it comes again, like around the thing. And I'm like, no, fuck you, no, and like hit the gas and start to start to really tear down this thing, recreating father like son thing, and uh, and um, I give it one more and it does the same thing, shifting back and forth. It's really weird, and I'm like, all right, we'll f- try out some Rolling Stones. I need something to not think about this, and I grab the radio and turn it up again, 
and I see in the reflection a hand coming around. I shit you not. <laughs> I swear to God. And I'm like, fuck, no. And, uh, and then I was like, hang on a second. And it was my hand. And the reflection wasn't from here as it appeared to be. It was from here. And what was happening was what I saw was my knee like with my with my super cool jinkos on cuz it was like you know ninth grade or something and when i'd go to step on the gas uh my knee being clever like it is would anticipate that and move away and uh nevertheless uh it's still pretty terrifying after dark up there and i have a lifelong fear of knees so if you just keep them all covered up that would be great for me thank you guys very much that was Jordan Dahl. And that is our show. Thank you all so much for hanging in. Uh, next month's theme, August being uh, the hottest month of the year in Denver, is appropriately enough heat. So come back next month, bring some water, and uh, we'll see you next month, third Thursday of every month. Uh, again, big round of applause for Jared, uh, our podcaster, and all the storytellers you've seen tonight. We'll see you next month. The Narrator's Podcast is recorded and produced by the Denver Diatribe. Check out their weekly show at denverdiatribe.com. The Narrator's Podcast is brought to you by these amazing sponsors. The great guys at Illegal Pete's and Greater Than Records, who in addition to providing rad burritos all over town, provide great local music and comedy. Check out the appropriately named Sexy Pizza at either of their locations in Capitol Hill or Old South Pearl or on their website, sexypizzaonline.com. And finally, by the Internet Superheroes at Commerce Kitchen, who provide internet marketing solutions and search engine optimization for all your e-commerce needs. Check them out at commercekitchen.com. For more information about the narrators and to listen to past episodes, go to thenarratorspodcast.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>